Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 437th and the final edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Channel. We've been broadcasting across the world for nearly 10 years from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, the place where technology meets entertainment. It's um, with great regret that I announce that this is the final Bob Pritchard radio show. 10 years ago, we got um, a 13-week trial, and now we're extremely proud of the past 437 shows. I've enjoyed it immensely. We've broadcast shows from Australia, France, Switzerland, Russia, Germany, Vietnam, Thailand, Spain, and a few more that I just can't remember. It's been a blast. During the run of the show, we've done over 1,500 stories. We've interviewed over 500 of the world's most successful business and entertainment people, and we've made a hell of a lot of friends. The decision to leave the show was a difficult one and has had me agonising over the decision for a few weeks. I'll miss the show and I'll miss the feedback from the listeners. Thank you all for your support. It really has been greatly appreciated. Of course, you can still keep up to date with the latest in business information through my daily 30-second read business newsletters. Now, over the past five years or so, I've been extolling the virtues of Bitcoin and a limited number of other cryptocurrencies. One reason that Bitcoin will continue to increase in value is because they continue to get lost with people losing their passwords on a regular basis. The numbers are quite extensive. So just how many Bitcoins are gone forever? Well, an average of a 1,000 Bitcoins worth $9 million are lost every single day. In total, 3.6 million Bitcoins have become lost throughout the period this show's been running. That's equivalent to a burn of 1.5% every year. So in that period, 15% of the total supply of Bitcoins has already been burned. So that should give it a 15% jump in prices on that basis alone. The other thing that's happening with this coronavirus is that um, meat vending machines, you heard me, meat vending machines are popping up all across the world. Well, I guess Meatbox 365, that's the number of the machine, is very popular defence against coronavirus. You don't have to go to a shop. Vending machines are providing fresh lamb, beef and pork cuts to people who might not want to go to a store or are afraid to visit restaurants because of the coronavirus. So Meatbox 365 is hailed as the latest sign of a golden age of vending machines. That's the company behind Bake Express and La Bread Express, which has machines coughing up croissants and baguettes and pizzas and turkey and brie sandwiches. Chowbiotics delivers fresh robot-prepared salads. 
and the Applestone Meat Company sells cuts like its bone-out, dry-aged beef ribeye steak. Sounds good, doesn't it? I can just hear that sizzling on the barbecue from vending machines, and they do that 24-7. Of course, you probably know that wine and beer vending machines are now legal in Florida. So they don't want you to drink drink and drive, but they stick... um, It always amuses me that they have booze in um, gas stations, and now they've got them in um, in vending machines. Okay. Now, a lot of us remember a time before Facebook. What happens to the well-being of Generation Xs and Millennials when they stop using Facebook? Not that most of them ever will. But have you ever thought about giving up Facebook for a day or a week? A study of 2,743 people were unplugged from Facebook for four weeks. And these results might surprise you. For the average unplugger, not using Facebooks freed up between 60 and 90 minutes every day. So people who use Facebook don't realise just how much time they spend on it. The unpluggers reported spending 15% less time chasing and devouring news headlines. They report being less exposed to polarising news and the unpluggers reported significant improvements in self-reported happiness, life satisfaction Depression, depression and anxiety. So significant improvements in happiness, satisfaction, depression and anxiety. Unpluggers thought a lot more about whether the platform is really good or bad. So unplugging from Facebook is not such a bad thing. In fact, it might be a really good thing. So do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We've now got about 1.7 or 1.8 million daily subscribers. That's a hell of a lot of subscribers. It takes just, well, I say 30 seconds, but it really doesn't. It takes about a minute, minute and a half to read every day. And each day we have a different subject. We talk about um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, autonomous cars, medicine, um, new apps, new technology, Hyperloop. We talk about all those things. In tomorrow's newsletter, we discuss researchers' findings that air pollution is shortening people's life expectancy by an average of three years. Researchers calculate that air pollution actually has a much bigger impact on life expectancy than tobacco smoking, HIV AIDS, or violence. So that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? And uh, we've got to do something about global warming, get the carbon out of the air. But first of all, we've got to get into the governments here and convince them that global warming even exists. Now, you should know about all this stuff. And the Bob Pritchard newsletter delivers the latest in business stories up to two months before the traditional news outlets report them. We often pick up 
newspapers or watch the news and go, geez, we spoke about that two months ago. It's taken them a long time to catch up. So the one information source you can trust for the latest up-to-date business information is the Bob Pritchard Daily Business Newsletter. And to get it, simply go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com and subscribe. Takes you two seconds and it's easy. Now, with all the discounts that have been on, do you have a new 4K TV? Maybe a new streaming device? A new video game? There's just one problem. That 4K quality stream that you think you're getting from your Netflix subscription isn't 4K, thanks to your less than satisfactory internet connection and probably partly to do with Netflix. Now, down speed, download speeds matter most when it comes to enjoying passive content like streaming TV, downloading huge files or browsing social media. The faster your download rate, the more data you can utilise, and that's perfect for high-definition content. Upload speeds, well, they matter the most for participatory, God, that's a hard word, participatory content like playing games online, video calls, live streaming, or uploading your photos to your cloud storage device. Upload speeds depend on your ISP, the type of internet connection you're using, you know, that means whether it's DSL or cable or fibre, and your location. And generally speaking, your download rate will always be higher than your upload rate. So if you just want to play some casual games online or enjoy a little Netflix, you don't need much speed. Streaming sites like Netflix recommend speeds of 5 megabits per second, to best enjoy content in HD. But that download speed won't get you any 4K quality media and you might find content much slower to load. So if your internet speeds are around that five megabits range, you'll likely have a slower upload speed, meaning streaming fast-paced games from the cloud or video chatting with multiple people will probably drive you nuts. So if you want the highest of high-definition video content or streaming games from the cloud using PlayStation Now, Google Stadia, or Microsoft's xCloud, you'll need a stronger connection. But faster upload speeds might involve paying for gigabit internet, which is overkill for all but the most committed to live streaming or transmitting large files. Now, you can get a good estimate of your actual internet speed using sites like Speedtest. You can see whether it's your internet speed or your hardware that's responsible for the sluggishness that you're getting. Now, your wireless router could also be to blame. Most routers' capabilities are based on standards that govern factors like how far away before your connection degrades and how much data the router can send or receive over a period of time. So if you live in an apartment with brick walls, your range may be vastly diminished, and your living room router can't propagate a signal to your bedroom that's only a few feet away. That's where a mesh network comes in handy, with one connected to your modem and the other in the problem area of your home. Now, the number of in-use devices connected to your single router 
that could also be a problem. So if you've got half a dozen things plugged in there, you are going to have a problem. You should consider investing in a cheaper wired solution like a network switch. That's just a box with a whole range of Ethernet ports and you can connect your router and other devices so you can directly connect all the devices without suffering any speed reductions due to factors like distance or age of your wireless router. Now, my guest today and the last of my more than 500 interviews in this program is David Sapper. He's the CEO of Blockbid, a secure exchange facilitating the highest volume of trades for the most cryptocurrencies with a single login. And Blockbid facilitates trading of more coins on a single platform than any other exchange. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with David in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. You know, over the last eight years, boy, that's a long time, we've given you insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting people some fantastic companies, we've talked about what they do, and we've tried to find out what it is that makes the entrepreneurs tick. You know, it's extremely rare to find an extraordinary personality or a unique talent, or even a successful business with over 97% of all new businesses failing. It's obviously very difficult to create a successful business. So we try to get them on the program, and I've got another gem today. Recently in Australia, I had a lovely dinner with a friend of mine and a guy named David Sapper. And he was telling me about Blockbid, a secure exchange with the goal of facilitating the highest volume of trades for the most cryptocurrencies with a single login. Now, I've been in crypto for quite a while. I'm doing an ICO and, you know, it has been, it's getting a little easier but it's been very difficult to trade crypto. And uh, so we, we got talking and, you know, found out that Blockbit will also support mainstream fiat currencies for more diverse trading. And 
They're aiming to facilitate trading of more coins on a single platform than any other exchange. Now, the interesting thing, I reckon, is that Blockbit is scalable up to 1 million transactions per second. That is a shitload. And the Blockbit platform's been built to support traders of all experience levels. And Blockbit's one of the first to be fully covered by cybersecurity insurance. Now, a bit about David. David's got a great track record. He's a co-founder at Blockbit, and he successfully exited two other tech startups that he founded. He's um, experienced at penetrating new markets by leveraging his analytical skills. He's quite a serious guy, but he's he's also a fun guy and an interesting guy. And uh, we had a we had a great night. He uses his passion and technical experience to create startups that disrupt the commercial landscape. Then he sells out and makes a shared load of money. That all sounds good. David, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Thank you, Bob. And as you mentioned, it was a really great dinner to be able to sit down. It was really, really great. Sit down, have a chat, and uh, also discuss with you a passion of mine, which happens to be also a passion of yours for, for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, how, as, does, as how does Blockbid aim to create a more transparent and secure cryptocurrency trading platform? I mean, we hear so much about platforms and this. I seem to pop up all over the place and, and uh, constantly getting hacked. And So how do you aim to create a more transparent and secure trading platform? For us, it was really clear from the onset that we had to build a great foundation. Um, and it came across with a very simple mindset of bringing stock market-like accessibility, um, usability, and transparency to the cryptocurrency market. Right. Uh, for us, uh, we, we thought that we needed to exceed user expectations. We needed to exceed uh, the stringent global expectations as well for government regulations or regulatory oversight. And we started creating great alliances and setting the foundation around insurance, usability, and scalability as well. Right. So the, how do you um, protect against bad actors, you know, money launderers or people seeking to finance illegal activity or people just trying to avoid tax? So for us, this, this was actually a partnership that we formed over about six to eight months. We, we were in touch with Threat Metrics uh, based here in Sydney originally. They're a uh, device ID fraudulent detection monitoring system that is used by the big banks and by their parent company, LexisNexis Risk Solutions. And between both of them, we, we were able to not only provide a full bank-grade KYC solution, yeah. we're also able to provide a behavioral monitoral analysis system that works for overlapping different types of data, biometrics, government issues, identifiers, device identification, geolocation, and threat intelligence that really allows us to determine if there are any bad actors and whether there are any money launderers or such that are seeking finance, even activity on a site and put a stop to that. Right. 
And, and you did um, point out that um, this system is to exclude me, right? <laughs> um, so does this extra technology and security create any issues in, um, in dealing with Blockbit? But we, we did understand that Blockbit was looking to set the bar worldwide. And the cryptocurrency boom that we're currently seeing worldwide is really taking the steps to move out of the Wild West. Everyone has had this notion that you move into the scene, uh, you potentially you know, invest in a particular project or market and uh, you know, take your money out a day later and buy a house. Yeah. And while this does attract you know, the, the various different individuals to the market itself, we, we really want to see the industry grow. And as we've seen in the dot-com boom, as we've seen in many different areas where new technology emerges, there always has to be someone standing at the front and saying, we are there to protect not only the consumers, we're there to also heed the obligatory oversight that is needed by the government as well, or by the regulatory bodies. And we decided to stand there and say, this is us. This is what we're looking for, and thereby attract institutional investors or many other parties that have been sitting on the side waiting for the technology and the industry to mature to the next level before being able to enter the market. Right. I think that's, I think that's beginning to happen. Um, you know, we've been through the wild swings of, of prices, etc., and it seems to me that there's a hell of a lot of the big institutional guys that are getting into crypto now, uh, and as well as a lot of the big investors, the Peter T Peter Thiel of this world and, and the Drapers and all of that lot, um, investing very heavily. And uh, it seems that the SEC in America is sort of laid off a bit to allow it to mature. And I have a feeling that we're just about at the bottom of the cycle now, I think from here on, or pretty close to the bottom, I think from the rest of the year, there's going to be a fairly solid growth in prices, I think. <laughs> I have been yeah, there before. That, that is very true. And for us, we are on the same sort of boat as well. We have the same feeling. We understood that every single new industry needs to go through a bit of a cycle, a bit of a change, and needs to understand what is the bad, what is the good, and how to look out for the red flags and how to look out for the great projects. Yeah. And the industry over the last five or six years has, gone through extreme growth and this is definitely going to attract all different types of people but the the members that are going to participate in this market and are going to help foster the growth um, are looking to not only make sure that the regulatory government bodies which in their jurisdiction are happy but also they protect the consumers um, at the heart and the core of their business as well and it's about becoming that businessman bringing the same sort of um, oversight that financial institutions or businesses are beholden to, to a new and emerging market. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Now, how does the partnership with Nexus, Nexus Risk Solutions, how does that actually screen out people potentially engaged in illegal activity? What, what's, the, what's the process? So what, what we've found in the past that many exchanges have allowed the users just to sign up with the email address, there's, there's no identification, there's no knowledge of where that money has come from or where it is going to go. 
And while this has helped the industry sort of fuel the growth momentarily, it had also had allowed for bad actors. Um, and th- this is where the government wants to clamp down because the process for them is very simple. If there's an avenue for someone to launder money for illegal activity, um, that, would, that would take the hard stats rather than working out the middle ground. And for us, the partnership with LexisNexis Risk Solutions allowed us in real time to monitor users from the moment they come on site by identifying them and having government-issued identifiers confirmed by LexisNexis Risk Solutions. And they're using part of the solution of threat metrics to be able to determine if the device itself has been involved in any fraudulent activity. And then it monitors the behavior um, over the course of various different pages to allow us to know if there's any particular interest in the background that is, it could be determined as suspicious activity. What's your, what's your view on the um, um, anonymity of cryptocurrency trading? <clears throat> is, it, is it possible or by allowing anonymity you allow bad actors to run amok? So I personally think in, in our instance that there's definitely some degree of anonymity that needs to be held as well. We, we do own the right to our own privacy, to understand what, what we'd like to spend our money on, where we're spending it, and how much we particularly own as well. Blockchain has seemed to have taken that control out of the user's hands. The idea is that your wallet address is available online uh, for anyone to see what is the holdings of that particular wallet. Right. Uh, but the degree of anonymity that we do have is that the, nobody knows who owns that particular wallet address. Right. So while an exchange has the ability to be able to link a particular type of wallet to a particular type of user due, due to the sign-up process, we, we don't retain that data, and that allows us to be able to determine um, that the user from day one, when they have come to the site, is not a fraudulent user. And they can have that degree of anonymity, although... They, it's up to their responsibility to report you know, their tax obligations to the government as well and uh, to their juris- according to their jurisdiction, they have to report it. We can help out in allowing you to understand what sort of your tax obligations are, what your obligations are by country as well. But there is always some anonymity that people are going to want. And while there will be some available, the idea behind what cryptocurrency can bring to you know, the current market is only the start of it. And while some people want to retain anonymity, we're really looking at what could foster many, many different new markets across the world. So are you saying that you can analyse accounts and determine in the main what may be suspicious or illegal activity and you only divulge the name of the account holder if that is the case, if it, if it runs up a red flag? So by using the gatekeeper model of yep. LexisNexis Resolution, it allows us as to determine by the identification that the user has provided whether this person is on a global watch list um, or if there's any issues that may have occurred in the past in regards to this person's ID. And that could be even if there was a, uh, a theft of identity and it was being used by somebody overseas, it allows you to determine if this has been reported as uh, stolen. 
um, the process for us is that while a user is on a site, if a user's account is behaving uh, erratically, so a normal user, the, the AI system that Threat Metrics has in the background um, and various other behavioral monitoring analysis systems allows it to determine that if a user trades on average, let's say, $1,000 per day, and suddenly there's a massive spike of uh, a couple million dollars worth of crypto coming in and being transferred to fiat currencies and being exited, this could potentially be a suspicious uh, activity. And it allows us to, for us to flag a, a reporter to the relevant bodies, such as Austrac here in Australia. And the idea behind this is that for the industry to grow, there is always going to be the bad actors out there trying to take advantage. And we want to be the first person where the buck stops. We want to make sure that there's no bad actors on our site. We are there to protect every single consumer on our site as well, as well as meet the obligatory oversight by Austrac and by the NTO as well. Well, I've got, I've got friends. Um, for example, I was talking to a, um, a business consultant, if you like, in, um, in Beverly Hills the other day who is trying to buy... A um, hundred million dollars worth of crypto, worth of bitcoins, and I also have a number of friends who trade crypto every day, and some of them making up to ten grand a day just trading crypto. So would both of those instances both automatically flag, bring up a red flag, so that they were um, that come to some authorities' attention? So this is where the instance, once again, of the alliance with LexisNexis 3 solution helps us out in so many different formats. Because by allowing the device ID um, of the user to be identified and compared to, you know, various other different sites that they, they, they surf across the web and allowing to determine that this user is not a bad actor, our systems can automatically determine that while there may be a large transaction or a large amount of volume for their account, it is not out of the norm for them. Right. The idea behind that is that we are looking to protect compromised accounts. Uh, a user that doesn't particularly behave in this, in this aspect, they don't normally trade these type of markets, they don't normally try to extract large amounts of money at a certain time. Most bad actors are looking to try and move money in various uh, particular ways. And this allows us to create policies around the network that allows us to determine what ways we can work with to understand what is a bad actor. Now, we, over time, understand those policies better. They become more granular as well and allow us to protect not only the good users, but allow us to make sure there's no false positives as well. Right, so then you say that you um, implement similar controls to the biggest banks in the world. Um, while... I can see why that adds credibility to crypto exchanges um, to some degree. Banks do not have a great reputation for doing much, and most people hate banks. Do you, do you, yeah. think, do you think that is a, um, a negative towards cryptocurrency exchanges? Well, what we have thought of was very simple. Um, well, we had this idea in our mind that we needed our users to feel secure, that we wanted them to trade with confidence and to really bring that across to any user that interacts with our exchange. And we realized over time that 
as human beings, we, we have this sort of checklist in our mind that allows us to determine what we feel secure about. If you go to a new website to purchase a new item, um, as long as it's a secure connection, you, you, you have this mental tick in your mind. When you put your credit card in to purchase a particular item, if there's a PayPal checkout, it allows you to have this tick in mind. And the reason why you feel safe interacting with that site is because you've become used to this process that you are looking for personal protection. You are looking that when you are going to spend your hard-earned money or you're going to trade on a particular site or interact with a particular site, if there is any bad actors in the background acting on that site where they may particularly uh, take credit card information, take your data, there is someone that is going to protect you. And we wanted to offer that same sort of protection. We want, wanted to let our youth know that they've come to our site, that no matter which way you interact, if there is any possibility of bad actors taking your, uh, taking your ID or identification or stealing any, sort of any part of your crypto as well, we can weed them out and we will protect you as well. And providing that same confidence and that same peace of mind that you have when you interact with other sites. Right. So how could cryptocurrency change banking regulations? And does cryptocurrency mean the end of banking as we know it? My, my personal opinion um, and I'm sure shared by many others, is that cryptocurrency will probably enhance the current market. We, we are already seeing a change around the world of the way that we handle money. We've become a much less cashless society. Uh, we've moved a lot over to using our cards or our phones. Particularly in Australia, we've recently moved over to the system of tap and go. Yep. It's a... Uh, Right across Australia allows us to uh, spend up to $100 without putting a pin in just by tapping our card at the register. Yep. We, we are becoming increasingly more reliable in various technologies that have been tried and tested. And re the, this reliance on these technologies has allowed us to, the, allows us to sort of move forward at this blazing speed. And cryptocurrency, while it's still being explored, can allow us to go to the petrol station and fill up the car without ever having to go inside to pay for it. Our car potentially has the currency petrol credit. It automatically syncs with the pump when you go there and then you get to leave. And this allows us to just have an idea of where it potentially help us out. And while there may always be, you know, the banks, there may always be the federal institutions or the federal reserves, cryptocurrency could help enhance what is already out there and take us to the next level of where we find that we're merging a large amount of our world into the digital world. I've got a number of friends that have businesses that operate internationally and a lot of them now pay all their international accounts with Bitcoin or some form of crypto. Um, so it seems to me that one area that was the preview purview of the banks, which was international money transfers and all that area, is going to be gone to the banks. Yeah, I've got well, other, I've got other friends that are involved in um, using bit, um, blockchain to match people who want money with people who have money. Um, without going through a, a bank. Uh, 
or through a lending institution, and that's getting to be quite prevalent. Um, I've got an investment in a company called Ula La, which is um, creating um, um, loans for undocumented, unbanked, uncredit carded people in the United States. And that's a $2.3 trillion a year market that is being done now by blockchain and again, taking out the banks. So the, it seems to me the days of, I mean, banks make money by, you walk into the bank and they say, oh, welcome, have a cup of tea, have a biscuit, have a bowl of water for your dog. We'll give you 1% on your money. And then you go home and you come back five minutes later and you say, hi, I'd like to borrow some of that money I just gave you and buy a car. And they say, sure, here, have a biscuit, have a cup of coffee, have a bowl for your dog. That's 8%. And they put the 7% in the middle in their pocket. Well, blockchain eliminates all that bullshit, doesn't it? Ah, it most definitely will. And the, the, the timing of this market to where we are currently in the world uh, regarding our trust basis model is, is amazing because over the last five to 10 years, we've seen this switch over of where we, we don't particularly trust a restaurant, we don't particularly trust a model, we don't particularly trust what a salesman has been telling us. And we've been going online and we've been waiting to read a review, we've been uh, logging into websites to understand where we have this peer-based trust model. We use Airbnb, we use Uber, we use Yelp, um, to, and all these formats of, of purchasing online have come about from a peer-based trust review system. The sad and this part, is, of course, the sad the part about, thing blockchain. The sad part about that is that um, I was speaking to a guy um, that works with Yelp, and 80-something percent, 85 or 86% of all of the um, testimonials on Yelp are bullshit. They're all made up and put up by either rivals of whoever's being evaluated or people who are involved with people who are, <laughs> are um, being evaluated. So you can't trust any of those either. And that's where blockchain can come and help us out. It allows you as a user to provide a review to a restaurant that cannot be faked. Um, it's using from your particular address, you know, people have known the address can provide reviews to certain different sites or certain different products as well. Yep. And it allows you to once again um, live in this world where we can trust the consensus, we can trust the, the, the public trust that's been provided to this item or to this particular shop or restaurant as well. It, it is really amazing and the amount of growth that this industry has seen right across different sectors uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, as you mentioned, everything from, uh, you know, empowering people that have, have been have been part of, you know, the, what we call the unbanked until now, to everything across to the trucking industries, to the financial industries, and we are only at the start of the cycle. Yeah, that's right. I agree. Um, I've, I've just written a newsletter, you know, my daily newsletter. Do you get that? I do. I most definitely do. Now, what you're supposed to say now is because you're being heard all over the world, you're supposed to say, I love it. It's fantastic. It's the first thing that I look at when I get up in the morning. <laughs> For me, it's actually, it is actually one of the first things I look at in the morning. So here in Australia, it is one of the first things I do get as well. 
It is, it is very different than any other newsletter I read. It is straight to the point and it actually provides me insight on a very quick way to a particular problem or a particular issue that you've uh, come across or has been actually very, very interesting for me. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> un, un, unprompted. Um, yeah, I wrote, <laughs> and I wrote that uh, it seems to me that the, the big player over the next few years is going to be Ethereum because... Um, most things, irrespective of the industry or the application, seem to be being built on the Ethereum platform. Do you agree with that or not agree with that? Or? I've always been a great believer of Ethereum myself. Um, the founder, um, I, I don't think he saw where it was going to go. The idea of being able to build decentralized app, now to build tokens based around smart contracts, Yes, um, it, it's still being explored, but you have more people involved in in trying to understand what is available, and, and what what is the opportune moment to be able to create a token, and what's the best way to be able to create one as well. Um, it's it's been amazing to watch the growth. We we are very fortunate at our company to have one of fifty nine certified Ethereum developers in the world working for us, and I always, you know, have a moment to sit down and have a chat with him and discuss with him. He thought as well, because 2012 or 2011 to, to now, the, the difference in where the network has gone and where it has been, and the process of us being about 70%, I think, of all traffic within the cryptocurrency space is occurring on the Ethereum network, it is not something you want to miss. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, what are, um, what's Ethereum doing about its... Um, transaction speed problems? There is processes of scalability. Um, the issue is with upgrading the network, everyone has to agree. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, there can, can occur a fork, yes. um, as we've seen many times before. And while many people do agree to the various upgrades, what, what we're finding is that as the network grows larger, it, it, it takes a bit longer to implement upgrades because the, the, the various people that may have certain parts of control uh, to a small extent may not agree always to various upgrades. And there always will be a process that when you leave it in the public hands to determine a yes or a no, not everyone's going to agree to move forward in a particular direction. And while that is great um, to allow the control be handed back to the public rather than a single institution or a single third party, it does also allow us to open the doors of indecision sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Yes. Scalability is always going to be an issue as we are finding that step by step, you know, the network is growing larger, more people are starting to use us. Um, although we are also standing behind it as well and working our way through and everyone is contributing to the best way possible that they can find. Um, various different areas that they can help out in as well to be able to make sure that not only does it still scale up, but the people behind us who have either said yes or said no can understand what direction we're trying to take it in to bring about improvement security, reliability, and, uh, and scalability being a large one as well. Yeah. So how could your trading platform attract the usage volumes of cryptocurrencies globally? Because we're playing a global, we're playing in a global pond, aren't we? So, um, what's going to be the thing that attracts people to your trading platform? 
the security and compliance focus along with the insurance that we're offering to protect our users against any potential bad actors and cyber attacks, uh, not only will attract the legitimate customers to our site, but also institutions that are focused on protecting their reputation. And by also partnering with Bitspread as a liquidity, liquidity provider, it positions us on a global stage to be able to interact with our customers worldwide. Yeah. What's to stop um, another trading platform in the room next door saying, ah, oh, shit, what they're doing is really cool. We should do the same thing. What's to stop them just um, doing the same thing? For us, there, there is a few partnerships that are obviously quite exclusive to us, but we don't feel that a competition will necessarily be a bad thing. Competition is what uh, helps drive down prices in various different sectors of various different markets. Uh, to allow the users to be able to gain the advantage. And, and that is what fosters the growth. It's the users enter the market being able to have the ability to be able to interact or to be able to purchase an item um, at a non-exclusive price. And we, we've seen this right across with most of the exchanges worldwide. The, the, the cost per transaction, the withdrawal cost, the, the onboarding time has all gone down right across the board because there are other players that are entering into the market. Sure. And we're finding the focus on support, which is we where we are really, really looking to be able to hand our customers whatever they need to be able to understand not only the market and the coin in the background, but any help right across the board as well. And that's going to be a critical key point of difference. I'm going to launch an ICO. I'm sitting out there and I think I'm going to launch an ICO. What are the most important things um, to consider when you're launching an IPO? For us, we've found that the team was really one of the key elements in launching an ICO because we're not just buying into the project, we're buying into the people that are making it. And we, we've seen so many different formats. We've seen various different companies get out there and fail because they thought that you know making a big splash is all that they needed. Yeah. But for the person sitting at home and looking at your website or someone sitting in a company and looking to invest, you, you've got a mixture of a Kickstarter and an IPO sort of model. You, you, you've got to speak to each person individually. And what they want is to be able to understand why and who is doing that and what you're trying to bring to the market and how you're trying to disrupt it. So the main process for an ICO nowadays or token generation uh, events, as they call it nowadays as well, it's not just about the flashy, um, you know, website and the flashy white paper. It's really understand your market, really understand the team that you bring in to build as well, and whether you are going to make a change by bringing this to the blockchain. And right. if you are, the it, your merit it stands on its own merit. Okay, David, we've just about run out of time. Um, how does anybody who wants to get involved with Blockbid? How do they give you money or how do they find out more just by going to the um, website which is blockbid.io or what else can they do that's, that's correct they can also join our telegram room uh, the three founders and our chief marketing officer in direct contact there right. uh, almost around the clock as well and they can ask us questions like as well um, Yes, definitely through through blockbit.io. If they have a question, they can send an email to info at blockbit.io and it'll be sent to the rele uh, relevant sort of 
parties within the company if they have any direct questions for myself or any of the other founders. Or through Telegram. That is correct. Telegram, we feel, it provides that sort of process where they can contact us directly, sure. sort of on a chat form basis, and speak to the three founders and also our chief marketing officer as well. Terrific. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, David. I look forward to getting back to Melbourne and, and having another evening out, nice meal, a few wines and a great chat. I look forward to that. Thank you. And thank you so much as well, Bob. It's been great to actually have a chat with you. It's a pleasure. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice American Business Network after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 437th and final Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Radio Show. Coming at you on Voice America Business Network, broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. After nearly 10 years on air every Tuesday, this is my last show. And I'm really going to miss being with you every week. Now, one of the strangest things about the coronavirus pandemic concerns toilet paper. Retailers in the US and Canada have started limiting the number of toilet paper packs customers can buy in one trip. Some supermarkets in the UK are sold out. Grocery stores in Australia have hired security guards to guard toilet paper on the shelves. And there's been wild brawls in stores as people to do people do almost anything to get toilet paper. One customer bought nearly 2,500 rolls. Now often they go to the bathroom, but it seems a bit excessive. An Australian newspaper printed eight extra blank pages in a recent edition for Australians to use as emergency toilet paper should they run out. (laughs) Jeez. It's not as if toilet paper is considered a staple of impending emergencies like, say, milk or bread or rice 
or whatever. So why are people buying up roles more quickly than they can be restocked? The first reason is that people resort to extremes when they hear conflicting messages or don't hear any messages at all. And compared to last pandemics, the global response to the coronavirus has been one of widespread panic. When people are told something dangerous is coming, but all you need to do is wash your hands, the action doesn't seem proportionate to the threat. Special danger needs special precautions. Of course, today in the United States, a whole area of New York has been quarantined and uh, the perimeter's being policed by National Guard. So it's, um, it's quite serious. The second reason that people stock up on toilet paper is that several countries have already imposed mass quarantines. So people are buying up toilet paper and other household supplies, preparing for the same thing to happen in their city. The fact that there are no official undertakings by officials to reassure people is exacerbating the fear. You know, it's not good enough for the president to come out and say, there's no problem. You know, nobody need to worry. It'll just go away on its own. Well, in the US yesterday morning at eight o'clock, there were 600 cases. Today, the most recent figure a few minutes ago was we were heading for a thousand. So it's gone from 600 to a thousand cases in about 30 hours. So it's a serious problem. The third reason is that panic buying begets panic buying. Images of empty shelves and shopping carts piled high with supplies have inundated news reports and social feeds. All of the photos of empty shelves lead people to think that they must rush out and grab toilet paper while they still can. Social media spreading misinformation and open platforms amplify voices of panic. The fourth reason for the great toilet poll, toilet paper rush is that the CDC and other international health agencies are now advising that certain populations should stay home, mainly people over 60, and avoid contact with other people or crowds. So it's natural to want to prepare. And people see things like um, all of the festivals being cancelled and uh, political rallies in America are being cancelled. A lot of restaurants are closing down. So it's a major problem. Therefore, we've got to stock up on essentials. And since we'll eventually use the toilet paper, we can stock it up because it's not a perishable item. You're not going to go out and buy meat or something and stock it. But toilet paper, well, if we get some left over, we can use it later. And reason five for the great toilet paper stampede is that people who are stocking up in supplies are thinking about themselves and their family and what they need to prepare if they happen to be locked away for 
who knows how long. Now, people only act that way out of fear. So just keep in mind, the most important thing to remember is to stay away from crowds, wash your hands often, and wash the top, the front of your hands and the back of your hands and between your fingers. Give it a good scrub. And then don't touch your face. Shake hands or hug. That's all a problem. So as I mentioned earlier, this is my last broadcast on Voice America. We're extremely proud of the past 437 shows, many of which have been broadcast from countries across the world. We've done over 1,500 stories, interviewed over 500 of the world's most successful business and entertainment people, and we've made a hell of a lot of friends. I want to sincerely thank all of the wonderful people at Voice America. It really is an experience I'll never forget. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. So if you're just trying to be normal, you're always going to be boring. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful. The alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard signing off from Hollywood, California for the very last time. After nearly 10 years behind this microphone, I will miss you, the listeners, and the incredible team at Voice America. Thanks for listening to me. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.